Today, I'm excited to bring you an interview that is a little bit out of the ordinary for our Marketing Sweats podcast. Today, I'm talking to Rebecca Olson, life coach for working moms and founder of the coaching program Aligning Motherhood. Through a unique combination of mindset, behavioral, and research techniques, Rebecca coaches working moms to achieve all of their career goals without ever sacrificing their family. And many of her ideas apply to working dads too, and well, just about anybody seeking better work-life integration as we talk about on the show. All that said, you may still be wondering why would I invite Rebecca on a marketing show? Well, for one, she's my coach. I found her on Facebook in 2018, and in a short amount of time, she's helped me become a better leader, a better partner, and a better consultant. And I think her ideas have merit to help all of us think about the jobs we do every day a little bit differently. She's helped me reframe the way I think about my role and has helped me improve the way I interact with others. Plain and simple, I believe Rebecca's approach can help many of the marketers listening to this podcast do their jobs to become even more successful. My sense is you may just find we're all struggling in similar ways, but if we put in the work, we can achieve some pretty amazing results. So here she is, my coach, Rebecca Olson. I thought maybe you could start and just tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about your business and why you sort of love coaching. My name is Rebecca Olson. <laughs> I am a life coach for working moms. I specifically help working moms that are feeling sort of held back in their career due to motherhood. Uh, and I want to help them kind of meet all of their career goals and their dreams in their life and at the same time feel like their family's still their number one priority. I started working with working moms. I think it's been a total of three years, but like have narrowed in specifically to this particular niche, which is very, it's a very narrow person, right? That's not a narrow person, but that's a narrow window of person that I'm working with. But I kind of got into coaching because I, when I became a mom and when I was pregnant, I was kind of going through my, my own like identity crisis. I feel like not a lot of moms talk about the identity crisis that happens when you become a mom. It, it's kind of like a midlife crisis that happens really early in life. And I just realized that what I was doing at the time was just wasn't really life-giving to me anymore. And I wanted to do something else. And so I kind of went on this path to find what what's next for me in my life and kind of stumbled into coaching. I had a friend that was a coach and I kind of dipped my toes in the water. And as soon as I did, I went, wow, this is, I was made for this. This like let me focus in on relationships and people development and like depth. It was about kind of going deeper with people. And it was just, it was beautiful. So from the moment I started my training, I I knew I was in. <laughs> well, I think I've shared with you, you have what's called sort of a breakthrough call. And certainly from the first time that I talked to you, it just felt like a really good fit for you and I to build that coaching relationship. But, you know, I, I found you on Facebook. I saw a digital yeah. display ad, I think, promoting. And, and I think I told you the first time I saw it, I was like, uh, I don't need that coaching thing. You know, that's not for me. <laughs> or that like you put content out there. It really did feel true to sort of the relationship that I needed at that stage of my life. So talk a little bit about how you decided that working moms were your target and how you decided yeah. to go to market for that. Because so much of what I've learned about you your messages extend well beyond that, you know, but as a marketer, you really had to hone in on your net. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, I think some of the the best content comes from our own life, generally speaking, um, when we can relate it to our own journey and have that personal connection to it. So I think it was pretty easy for me to see moms as being 
the direction I wanted to go. But that really morphed because, right, I said I was, I'm pretty narrow now in terms of my niche. But when I started, it was just kind of moms. And then for a while, it was even stay at home moms. And then for a while, it was mompreneurs. So moms wanting to start a business. And then it kind of went into working moms just generally. And now we're like really honed in on what kind of working mom that I want to work with. And so even then, it went through lots of stages of figuring that out. And so did my my webinar. Yeah, I, I have a Facebook ad webinar um, funnel. And so I started that webinar. I created that training really out of my own journey. I had to like really parse down like what did I go through in the midst of my own identity crisis and trying to figure things out in my life? What did I go through that really helped me get to where I was at? And kind of narrowed that down. It was the way I was able to communicate and explain the process that I went through. And I very much believe in providing a lot of value. I think there's there really is two two streams of thought out there for marketing. There's like, don't give them everything because if you give them too much, then they're not going to want to buy from you. And then there's the the camp that says give them give them everything because then they trust you, and when they're ready, they will they will end up buying from you above all you know above anybody else. And I kind of am in that second camp. I just want to I just want to give as much as I can and create as much transformation as I can before they work with me, because then it's kind of a no brainer. As soon as they get to that point when they're ready, it's like let's go for it. Well, that makes good sense. And I wanted you to talk through that because I know we're going to be talking a lot about coaching today and mindsets, but you are a marketer in your own right. And you've made a lot of like really good strategic decisions about how to grow your business that don't just apply to an entrepreneur, right? Some of the choices you made about really honing in on a target audience and and providing that useful content can apply to any of our larger clients that we might work with at Symantle. I wanted you to talk a little bit about how you set goals, because I think that's something that our clients struggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know you've really hit set some milestones for yourself, even financially, mm-hmm. but perhaps otherwise. Why is that so important? And maybe talk about your journey with that a little bit. The importance of setting goals for my business, I mean, really in any in in any case, it really has to do with focus. Like what happens in our brain, and you're gonna hear a lot about brains from me because that's that's what I do. So what happens in our in our brain when we don't when we don't provide like direction, our brain is gonna do one of two things. It's either gonna just keep doing what it knows how to do because it's the simplest thing. Like our brain wants to do what's easiest always, even if it's not the best thing for us, it always wants to do what's easiest. It wants to like conserve energy. So so it's going to do what it always has done, or it's just going to basically go in a circle because you haven't provided any direction for it. And so I think what a goal does in a very basic sense is it gives you a, a signpost to head towards and and allows you allows your brain to kind of see it and kind of go, oh, I see where we're going. That that makes sense to me. Let me get out of my nice little cocoon here and start to make some progress that direction. And that I've seen that for sure in, in my most successful times of setting goals. I definitely can see how that has worked for me. And when I don't, I just kind of sit and go, what, what, what should this, what should today look like? I wonder what this month is going to look like. I have no benchmark to really go off of. And it feels, it feels like my business is in control of me rather than me being in control of my business. And, and obviously we want the latter always. So that's such good insight. And and in our business, we talk about the difference between goals and sort of desired outcomes. Do you have that conversation with yourself, Rebecca? And and I know you coach your clients to sort of distinguish between, is it really a goal or, or is it sort of a, 
a mindset you want to get to in mm. some cases. Yeah. I'm not sure if I if I use that language, but now that you've described it, I, I probably do. I'm probably a lot better at setting more of the milestone type benchmark kinds of goals rather than the measurable type of goals because I'm a coach and that's that's kind of how I can focus on the internal, which which I I mean ph- philosophically I do really think that the internal transformation always produces more externally. That being said, in some way you have to measure if you've made progress or not. You have to have a way, something to evaluate at the end of at the end of a period of time, right? So that's a really it's really important to have something that you can look at and say, did it produce anything different than last month per se, or the last time I did this? Otherwise you don't really know if you're making progress. Well, let's go to that mindset space because, you know, for any listener out there, I want them to be sort of honing in on this conversation about their careers and how they sort of show up at work every day. You know, some of our listeners are leaders of organizations, others are maybe earlier in their career and just trying to get to that next level. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about your philosophies of mindset, how you weave that into coaching, and then maybe, you know, how that really almost applies at an organizational scale too. I believe in this so much. It's probably, even though I I learned about kind of the art of our mind, if you will, in the process of coaching, it was like putting language to things that were already really innate within me. And I think that's probably one of the reasons I was so drawn to coaching. So we're just talking about literally the words that are going through your brain at any given moment. Those are your thoughts that you're having or your mindset that you're having at any given time. And so Brooke Castillo developed this way of talking about mindset and she calls it the model. It's very, it's a simple way to really evaluate how your thoughts produce your results in your life ultimately. And so basic basic way premise of how it works is that your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings uh, are what fuel your actions. And then of course, like the conglomerate of your actions create your results in your life. So if you want different results, it's not about finding different actions. It's about finding different thoughts to fuel the feelings that fuels the actions that eventually will that will fuel the results, right? So I think on an individual level, getting to getting to an understanding of what literally those words are and how those words are they making you feeling are they making you feel motivated? Are they making you feel excited? Are they making you feel confident, enthusiastic? I mean, those are the kinds of feelings that we want as business owners because those are positive feelings that drive us forward, right? If we are recognizing that we're being fueled by feelings of um, overwhelm, anxiety, stress, exhaustion, those kinds of feelings, then likely the action, I mean, we can all see that the actions that follow those things are never effective, right? Our problem solving at that point is never effective on an individual level or on a leadership level, you know, for a company. First, it's the awareness that those thoughts are even fueling what you're doing and thus kind of producing your results is always the first step. But then getting to that point where you can see that, like you you realize that actually you get to control, you get to control that thought always. Like thoughts don't just happen to us. I say that to my clients a lot. Thoughts, thoughts don't just happen to you. you. You create them. You can create new thoughts or you can decide to focus on something different in your brain and produce a different result in your life, even with the same circumstance, right? And so I think when when you have a leadership team or just an individual as a leader that is really 
understanding of that process and can see how their thoughts are fueling their actions, you know, then they, they can shift their influence of their team and thus the results of their team as they begin to get into a different energy behind the work they're doing and they are approaching different conversations in a completely different way. You and I had a conversation the other day about sort of when teams approach a brainstorming conversation, as an example, like how can we make sure that we are questioning, number one, and making sure every idea has merit and that you give that that space before you start putting all sort of the boundaries around it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember what we were what you were saying was that it was kind of like everybody in the room is fighting for their idea to be heard. And it's like kind of the loudest voice oftentimes wins, right? Or the one that has the most energy behind it. Or maybe you have some other clever ways to get your idea in front of everyone. And I said, well, it sounds like that's because inherently you don't think that everybody's ideas are, are worthy of being heard, right? Unless it's, it's only worthy if it's like, if it rises to the top of the group. And I, and I said, well, what if, what if instead you just decided that anybody that brought an idea to the table, it had merit and you began to argue why it might be the best idea out there. Right. And you kind of said, whoa, that would be so different than the way we operate. Right. It's like just a different approach. I mean, it's ultimately the thoughts that are probably going through all of your heads on some level in that group is like, I have the best idea. And instead, what if you just changed the words that went through your head that said this entire team is capable of coming up with the best idea And then all of a sudden your energy shifts about that, right? Totally. And I love that culturally that can entirely shift the way an organization um, allows for creativity. And the other thing you said as you were articulating that is what if you just decided? You talk about decisions a lot Mm -hmm. and sort of how easy they are to make and how they bring you clarity, but then also that they can be changed. So talk about the importance of decisions. I mean, our entire life is a conglomerate of decisions. You know, we make over 30,000 decisions in a day, like minute ones that we don't even think about to big ones that we do think about. And so ultimately, the results of our life are just a stacking of decisions that we make. (laughs) Part of the, the thinking process and kind of getting in control of your thoughts, I think, allows us to then make much more intentional focused, conscious decisions, because most a lot of people don't even realize they're making decisions, right? Or not making decisions for that matter. And that that both of those feeling that drives different feelings based on that. And so bringing to consciousness, the fact that you, you have decisions to make, and that all that it all it really is, is a decision to move forward. And at any given time, you can decide to move in a different direction. And that doesn't mean anything, except that you've decided to move in a different direction. Maybe you have more information now. And so you decide to pivot for whatever reason. That's just a decision to be made. I think where people get stuck in the decision making is because they make it mean something about them. Ultimately, it becomes very personal, right? And so I think that's where feelings of rejection, types of feelings tend to come in. I'm not even, I wouldn't even say, I mean, people would use the word failure when it comes to decision-making and they get very paralyzed when making decisions because it has this feeling of failure. But I would actually say failure is pretty, is pretty neutral. Generally speaking, failure is, failure just tells you that you didn't get the desired outcome. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything beyond that. Ultimately, you make it mean something when it becomes personal, when it, 
means something about you and how good you are of a person or how good you are at the work that you do or how effective you are or, you know, all of those various things. And so I think as soon as something becomes personal like that, when the desired outcome isn't what you want and, and it becomes personal, then we head into like the rejection territory. We head into lots of very personal feelings that are very immobilizing for a lot of people. And if you stack a bunch of those feelings on top of each other, choices that you've made on top of each other that lead to that, then that's when you get to to people that tend to not be able to make a lot of decisions or put too much weight on decisions or sit in indecision too long or fear failure. And you kind of go down that that rabbit hole versus somebody that doesn't make that mean anything. And so they can make 10 decisions, kind of course correct all along the way, like make a decision did it get the desired outcome? Yes or no. Make another decision based on that. Get the desired outcome. Yes or no. And just keep moving forward and make 10 decisions in the same amount of time. Another person might only make one decision because it felt so heavy and weighty and important that they couldn't get over themselves enough to make it. Absolutely. And I think the reason this concept is near and dear to my heart is because sort of in the marketing business, we talk about this concept of um, failing fast, right? And iterating towards a goal, not sort of having it all figured out out of the gate, especially in this era of data and technology where you can try some things, you can test some things and sort of perfect is the enemy of good. So rather than believe that we have to be right or wrong, you've kind of taught me, what if we just are? And I think that's an important sort of consulting practice as we work to sell things to our peers, to our leaders, to our clients, to try to get them to go to this space with us to try some things. Mm -hmm. Our greatest potential is always ahead of us. And if you truly think that and believe that, then you kind of live in this place of what's possible ahead of you versus kind of constantly looking backward toward what has been, maybe what has worked in the past or kind of sitting in, even d- dwelling in the things that haven't worked, which is where ten- people tend to live, right? They don't tend to live in the positive. They tend to live in the, the not so good. And so it's, it's natural for our brain to do that. And it's very human. So, And then that tends to dictate their future choices. And so I always try to like get to every, you know, like every moment, what we're talking about here, like let's just get to ground zero here. Like it doesn't really matter what you've done, where you've been what decisions you've made in the past, how you've operated, because your greatest potential isn't there. It's ahead of you. Absolutely. You mentioned the word rejection. And so I want to dig into that a little bit, because a lot of our audience, like you said, takes things very personally, because as marketers, we create so many things. You talked about creating content. We're constantly building ideas or designing experiences. And so I've had to work very hard to separate what I do from who I am and so not taking it personally. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit, maybe. And, and then you, I recently heard a podcast where you were talking about selling from a clean place. Mm-hmm. I didn't fully understand sort of <laughs> But I think that that's a good lesson for all of us. Yeah. We've worked really hard, you you and I, to to get to a place where you see your your value in just being human. Like I call it your human value versus your accomplished value. I sure. mean, there's no question that you have an immense amount of accomplished value. Otherwise, you wouldn't be where you're at right now in the company that you're at and doing the things that you're doing. There's a lot of accomplished value. It doesn't say anything about your human value. Most people think those two things are the same thing. And they're so intertwined that when we fail in one area of life, it brings everything else down because it has so much connection to our human 
value in who we are as a person. And so the way I like to argue that with people is I say, think about a baby coming into this world. Like, would you ever look at that child and say that they don't have value? Right. They haven't done anything. They've definitely not accomplished anything in their life. They just came out and they cry <laughs> and they right. eat, right? And that's it. Of course, we wouldn't do that. We stare at these, you know, little bitty humans and they bring so much joy and value to our life because they're intrinsically valuable, right? And so a lot of the work I do has to do with reminding people that they have intrinsic value. It has nothing to do. Somewhere along the line, our culture taught you that you have to do more and you have to continue to accomplish in order to in order to become valuable. And and so we lose we lose that that feeling of intrinsic value. And so when we separate the two, then all of a sudden you can you can really stand firm and confident in who you are, no matter what circumstances are out there, no matter if somebody likes you or doesn't like you, or if you attempt something and it doesn't work out, or if you get that client or you don't, or you know, whatever it may be, you still exist and still have an immense amount of value just because you exist how that kind of dovetails into some this concept called clean selling. And that comes from my own coach, Stacey Bayman. She teaches a concept called clean selling. She's a sales coach. And so the idea behind it is really that selling for a lot of people feels very sleazy, right? That's kind of the term that we have out there, the sleazy car salesman. We don't like to be sold to. I mean, even if you're a salesperson, you're in the world of selling, you don't like to be sell- sold to ever, right? You don't like the person that's coming around to your door trying to sell you something. You don't like being upsold in a, in a store or in any way. It, it feels awful. And that's why so many people aren't able to do work around selling because it feels so against everything that you are, right? And so she teaches this concept called clean selling. That's kind of like, that would be like dirty selling, if you will. Right. So clean selling would be coming from a place of, of being so authentic with what you are, what you are selling, being in so, so much service of the other person that you aren't even considering the, the gain that you would get from the sell. Got it. So when yeah. I'm in a, when I'm in a sales call with someone my if i'm in a good clean selling spot i am all about creating transformation in the 45 minutes i'm going to be on the call with them regardless of if they become my client and as soon as that little bit of my thought like starts to trail away to like i wonder if they're going to i wonder if they're going to move forward are they really my ideal client or not i wonder what's what's an angle that's going to get them to buy you've moved out of clean selling because you're not about the client anymore. You're not about creating transformation for them. You're about yourself. And they feel that on the other side. And so you become so much more effective at selling because they feel the genuineness and the authenticity and they experience transformation because you've created space for them to do that ultimately. I want to take a big pivot from everything we've been talking about, about that. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about this concept you call work-life integration. So many of us, you know, have heard the term work-life balance. You take a little bit different spin on that. So share a little bit of your thoughts on that. I do. I think that the word balance is just a, is a misnomer, mostly because of what what it brings to mind for most people, which which is like the the scale, right? With one side on the other. And with things are balanced, then there should be equality between them. And most people think of balance as being equal 
um, one side being equal to the other. So work life being equal to the home life. And usually for most people, that means time and energy, that those two things should be equal. If you really break down your time, you will always spend more time at work than you will spend at home <laughs> because that's the way that's the way our society is created ultimately. And so there will never ever be equal amount of time that you will spend from work between work and home. And so that shouldn't that isn't the goal that we're trying to get to. I think there could be equal energy on some level, but not at any given time, right? Ultimately the goal is to be 100% present wherever you are. I think that's ultimately what almost anyone is looking for when it comes to balance. They want to feel like they're at home when they're at home and they're with their kids when they're with their kids and that they 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 can experience the joy of those those moments. And then when they're at work, they want to feel like they're 100% into what's going on and they're they're dedicated and they feel like they're making an impact and they're not thinking about being home and and what's going on in their family life and so forth. When it comes to wanting to be present, I think the best word that we can use to describe that is is integration, ultimately. Like recognizing that when you get to be 100% present and feel like you're putting in your best effort at work, that is going to make you a better make you a better parent, it's going to make you a better human over in your personal life because you feel so good about what's going on in your work life. And then vice versa, if you feel like you're showing up and super present and connected in your home life, then when you come into work, you're going to feel much more dedicated and motivated and energy around being there. And so it's really about how do you, how do you allow yourself to be present and be your best self in both places so that you fuel the other one? Why is it beneficial for your employer to pay you to come into work and sit for 15 minutes and get your thoughts and your energy and your feelings in order before you even begin? Like, why should they pay you to do that? And they usually go, well, I don't think they should. And I'm like, what if, what if that made everything you do that followed that like more f- effective and efficient? You were making better decisions. You were more efficient with your time. You got through all of your tasks better because you took the time before you started your workday to like get yourself in order and get your energy in order and feel really present so that you are more effective at your job. And it was, it's always this like conversation of like, they, they should pay you to do that. They're paying you to, for a result ultimately. And so that's a big, that's usually a big eye opener as we talk about that. And then kind of vice versa. It's like your family should give you time to get you in order (laughs) as you enter into your family life so that everything that you do with your family becomes much more effective and efficient and you're more present and you're more loving and you're more patient and all of the things that you want to be when you're there like that take you have to get your energy in the right place in order to do that. I love that example because it's both an external thing that you can do, you know, as leaders and, and marketers we're so busy we often talk about calendar management and what meetings do we really need to take versus which ones do don't yeah. we so that we can think but it's also sort of an internal mindset shift. You've talked to me in the past about this idea of almost like super brain dumping, getting everything down, because if you can get your thoughts right, it gets everything else right. And it sounds like that's a big part of yes. sort of being present and work-life integration. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it. Ha- I would challenge anyone to really think about like when they sit down to do a task. So let's just say since we marketers write a lot, you know, they write a lot of content. I write a lot of content. If you were to sit down and you you enter into a writing session and you feel really overwhelmed and you're feeling really stressed, and you're feeling a lot of anxiety. Like, How long does it take you to do that writing project? How good is it? 
at the end <laughs> versus right. the moments that you sit down in an energy of feeling really calm and feeling you feeling really confident and feeling maybe maybe even excited about what you're entering into and then you take you take on that task of writing like across the board almost all of us can probably imagine those moments both of those moments and of course we all want we all want the second one. We all want to be, we all right. want the feeling of energy that comes when we write content and when we're like, when we're thinking complexly. And so it makes sense that you would take the time to get your energy there so that all of those tasks that follow become really effective and allow you to be, yeah, have the presence, have the enjoyment of the tasks that you're doing. You mentioned the other day on a different interview you were doing about this concept of celebrating. And I don't think we do that enough as marketers. We're so just like, go, go, go. We got to get to the next thing. And I had a, one of my ex-leaders said, Misty, you never pause to look in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. How important is that as we all work on our own growth of ourselves individually and then as our organizations? You heard this on a podcast because I was talking about how I'm trying to work on celebrating in my own life. I'm, I'm terrible at it. I think achievers are, are terrible at it we see the accomplishment or the achievement in and of itself kind of gives us that that hit of energy that we're looking for. And so it's really hard to stop and have to figure out how to celebrate a moment or even figure out why you would do that, right? I mean, there's a lot of science behind celebration that happens in our brain. What When we celebrate anything, and celebration can mean anything from like, I mean, people think of celebration and they think of like maybe a big party or they think of going out to an elaborate dinner or spending a lot of money on something or treating yourself. Yes, all of that is celebration, but so is like a high five to someone or a little pat on the back, a little a little victory dance, you know, like all of that has is an element of celebration. It's the same thing that happens in our brain. And what happens is the brain gets a hit of dopamine from it. And dopamine kind of, as we all know, has a lot of, you know, positive energy around it. Like our brain craves dopamine. When it gets a little hit of that, it's like, where can I I get more? Where does it come from? Right. And so what happens also though, in our brain is that it connects the, the dopamine hit gets connected to the action that happened before it. And so it says, your brain kind of goes, oh, when I did that, I got this really like this massive surge of energy. How cool is that? Let's just do that again. <laughs> and so it yeah. kind of helps us feel a sense of motivate, like kind of create naturally a sense of motivation or focus as we celebrate more, right? Well, I, I wanted to mention that because I think as marketers, we have this unbelievable opportunity to not only communicate externally to customers, but to sort of change the cultural norms and expectations inside our organization, yeah. sort of that employee experience, if you will. So I think celebrating is a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we have to remember that our brains want to just, they always want to conserve energy. They're like um, a battery that never wants to give up any energy. And so when we go out to do our work that takes energy to do our work, we have to get our brains engaged and say, no, 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 you have to drain a little bit of your battery. I need some of this energy in order to accomplish tasks. When we like tap into things like dopamine in our brain, it doesn't take any energy to do any of that. It's, it's not a part of the same battery life. And so we're able to move forward, accomplish things, do more, 
because now we have two sources of energy. We have a dopamine. We have a dopamine kind of hit where our brain is connected to that idea. And we have this kind of natural battery that we all kind of live with in our brain and we can tap, we can use both of them. So we just become more, you know, more effective at everything we do. I love talking about this concept of energy because I know it's something that I've struggled with um, and I've shared with you in our coaching relationship. And it's it's a little bit different than the concept of balance or integration, but it's about sort of when you're all in over here and then you need to retreat, right? I know a lot of the clients that I work with are like, how do we get all our energy in one space, but then know that to your point, that battery needs recharged. And so you sort of, I, I call it the pendulum when I talk to you. I let you know where my pendulum is swinging and you help me move to the center. How can people sort of manage that on their own right? And so that they, it's sort of a both and. I can have both the full engagement, but I also have this space in my life where I can fully retreat and recoup. And I think that this is even more timely now that we're in the midst of this stay at home, COVID-19. Yeah. We, we have a, probably more time to do, but also more time to think. Yes, for sure. It's not really about the external. It's always about what's going on, how your brain is shifting. And so most people would say things like they just, I just can't wait for that next vacation or they're, right. they're kind of waiting for the weekend or their evenings, even if it's on a daily basis to like let down or let go in some way. Yeah. The reason that we crave that is because all that's telling us is that you're using, your brain is doing a task or kind of is using a part of itself that is getting fatigued. And it's, it. it's like a cue, like I'm, your brain is kind of telling you, I'm this part of my brain is fatigued and you need to rest me. <laughs> and when you rest me, then I will be able to come back and I will be able to do all of these things that I do, you know, and not feel fatigued by it. And so I think for a lot of us, again, I think the high achievers, which is probably every business owner for sure, sure. probably a lot of marketers for sure as well, is ultimately we work too much. We use we use the part of our brain that we have to engage in work. We overuse it and it gets very fatigued over time. And then that's when we either lead to burnout or we finally schedule that vacation or we do the thing that allows that part of our brain to rest and refuel itself so that when we come back into it, because all of us can feel that too. Usually we have a surge of energy when we come back from a nice vacation where we feel rested and we can kind of engage in our, our work activities in a completely different rested state. Well, all that happened is all of the pathways in your brain that had been fatigued because you were using them too much got a nice little rest too. And they feel ready to get back get back to work ultimately. So from a brain point of view, that's what's going on. And so the the importance of like if you if you're feeling that level of fatigue or exhaustion, you'll actually be better off just stopping, like literally turning, you know, not putting the parameters in place so you don't continue to work and you don't check your email and you don't keep the pathways going every hour of the day <laughs> in order um, in order to move forward. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to schedule this talk with you right now is because so many of us are sort of sitting in this shelter-in-place yeah. situation. I, I know you work with a lot of executive-level clients that are constantly living in that pendulum of, you know, what do I do and how do I rest? So talk to us a little bit about some of what you're hearing right now and how you're encouraging clients to take advantage of this time to really come out stronger on the other side and potentially grow their businesses or, or you know, their careers. Yeah, there, there really is like two different people right now. There's the, there's the 
camp that can't stop working because now home life and work are one in the same place and it's just constant and they're not getting enough done if they have kids during the day. And so then they start to work afterwards. And so they're even more exhausted (laughs) than they were before. Or you have the other camp that is finding space, like using the space to, to actually, to actually find some rest and some rejuvenation during this time and kind of use it to fuel them forward. And so there's definitely two camps that I see out there. The first camp, the ones that are like just in work overload because they can't seem to separate at all. That really is their, their work is to figure out how like to put really strong boundaries in place so that they, they do in fact stop that they do allow their brain that is feeling very fatigued to get some rest that they're in fact sleeping enough and that they are doing the things that they already know. I mean, this isn't rocket science. They already know how to do these things. They, nobody needs to tell them what to do. They should sleep. They should, they should do things that are fun. They should, they should eat well. They should get out every day. Like these aren't, this isn't rocket science that these are the things that they need to do, but I would very much include in this, it's the, it's the thought work behind everything. And that's always the missing piece for a lot of people is they, they don't, they don't see the value in it yet. They don't recognize that they will, they will save time and mental, mental load by, by really allowing their brain, like really digging into their thoughts and allowing that, allowing themselves to see how their thoughts are fueling themselves And so I feel like this is the perfect time for people to do like make the space to create thought work time and to start to, to sit and see what am I thinking about? How is it making me feel? And what am I doing as a result of it? What are the actions that are a result of it? Right. So just kind of going through the model, like I was talking about before and it always starts with awareness. I mean, if this is like a brand new concept for people, you just have to make the connection between I'm thinking this and because I'm thinking this, this is happening in my life, right? And so you just be, you begin to make some of those connections sure. so that, I mean, sometimes just through awareness, kind of happen, it can happen like that, like you shift things, right? But other times you have to actually work through some of those thoughts and you have to, you have to ask better questions of yourself and kind of argue with yourself about what you're thinking about. But it's, there's a, there's a lot of space for this and there's so much going on in our world too that is affecting us. Like this is a lot of people are in tune with what they feel. They're not very in tune with what they think. And so they're feeling lots of things right now. This is a perfect time to like sit there and, and to kind of consider what you're feeling and the energy around those things and then step back and say, well, why am I feeling that way? (laughs) What are the, what are the words going through my head right now that are causing me to feel that and start to make that connection for themselves right now? It's like use using the crisis kind of as a platform for thought work, ultimately. I am using this time to think about my business. That's one of the mantras that you've taught me, Rebecca, is there's no more you can do. There's only more you can think. Mm-hmm. And so I know you've been on that journey yourself. And some of what I heard you talk about are these ideas that to really understand where you want your business to go, you need to think about them instead of me, sort of, you know, where are your customers through this process? Yep. And that's a really big insight right now. You've also talked about when you get to this now what mentality where you've reached a place where you feel like you've gotten most of your sort of stated goals mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out where you go next. So talk about if a person or a marketer is in this space where they have the luxury of the thought time, how can they really be practical about planning for their business to help it grow on the other side of this downturn? Coming back to this thought that our greatest potential is always ahead of us. Even if you have you know, a multi-million dollar company, 
if you really believed that still your greatest potential was ahead of you, how would you push your brain to start thinking about what you could do differently to meet into that potential? This is that time is you've, so you've met all your goals for, for last year or whatnot, or coming up to, you know, this year and this quarter, whatever. I mean, everybody's across the board that we're all, it's very chaotic in every business right now at the moment. So, but regardless, wherever you're at, if you really believed that this crisis was the best thing for your company, how would you start to think about it? How would you problem solve from that thought versus the fueling yourself with the thought that this is the worst thing that could happen? We're never going to recover, you know, which brings about desperation and all of these other feelings, right? And so if our greatest potential is always ahead of us, no matter where you're at in your business, then that begins to force you to think more critically about your future and to start to ask yourself some really interesting questions about where you could go from here, even with the success that you've had. And so from my point of view, usually that means being able to speak to your customer or my client in a way that resonates even more with them. So you've had a lot of level of success of meeting them, being able to speak to them where they're at now or prior to this moment. Like, What would it look like to take that to another level? What if that was... What if that was only scratching the surface? That's an interesting thought. What if you've only scratched the surface of what their thoughts are and their needs are? And so there's so much more ahead of you around what you could dive into to try to meet, to meet a need and to, to create, you know, create transformation ultimately for them. Absolutely. Well, one thing I wanted you to definitely be able to share with our audience is this idea of sort of following your dreams. From the very first conversation I ever had with you, Rebecca, you said, if there were no constraints on your life, what would you do? And I think I shared with you that I'd be sitting on a beach writing my book, right? <laughs> what's my dream life? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you said to me, what's preventing you from doing that? You know, and I love your questioning and the what ifs, but I think right now we all have that opportunity to think that big. And maybe we're not going to get there overnight, but maybe we can iterate towards that. Tell us your advice on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people aren't very in tune with their dreams, I have found. And I would say that's hard. That's been hard for me, too. What do I really want out of life? Like, what do I want to say? Like, what would make me get into the end of my life and just going, I can't believe I did all of those things? Yes, there's a level of financial gain. I think we all have as we dream about that. But, but I think it goes so much further than that. And so tapping, allowing ourselves to tap into like bigger dreams for ourselves and beginning to see them as being possible, right? Because our greatest our greatest potential is always ahead of us. So beginning to just allow them to be possible, like having no clue how to make it happen. I'm not sure how I'm going to orchestrate various dreams I have in my own life. I have a dream of living in Europe with my family for a while while I while my husband is retired because I'm making enough in my business that he doesn't need to work. And so we get to travel through Europe together. Like I don't know how that's going to happen. As I have been able to tune into some of those bigger dreams for my life. I'm creating a little bit of vision for it. Like I'm I'm starting to visualize it being possible. And again, yeah. like if you if your brain can't see it, right? Then it tends to just stay nice and circular. It kind of only does what it what it knows. So visualizing is one of those abilities or that those techniques that allows your brain to go, "Oh, I've seen that before. I could see yeah. you doing that." And so it can start to make little choices on your behalf that's going to get you, you know, get you that dream ultimately. So it's never, it's really never about 
the how, I do believe the how is going to work itself out as I believe more in the possibility of it. And so now is a time to dream, to dream personally, to dream for your business, to get in tune with what would be a regret-free life for you. Yeah. What would you get to the your deathbed and say that you you felt so amazed by not just the things that you did, but the person that you became in the midst of it. And to start creating the life and the person and, and the, the future that you want today. Like it, it begins now. Awesome. Well, we're running short on time, but I wanted to ask you, what would you leave us with? What are some of your final takeaways in terms of things that, you know, hold true and that we can all sort of learn from as we go forth from this conversation? Mm-hmm. Probably first and foremost, I would, I would remind people that they are innately valuable. That sure. they, it is, has nothing to do with their accomplishments and it has everything to do with just being them. And learning how to tap into you, the innate part of you, the uniqueness part of you, like the parts of you that just you bring it to the table no matter where you go and has nothing to do with what you've accomplished. Like that's where I think the magic can happen for us in our life is when we really begin to tap into that. And probably the second, the second piece of it is, is just recognizing how the words that go through your head affect all of your life. And when you stop, allow yourself to stop and consider those words and choose words that actually can move you forward instead of hold you back, that's going to be your greatest tool for living that life that you dream of living. Well, thank you for sharing that because that is so true to everything you've taught me. I'm still struggling with it. You know, you've taught me this. I I mean, so am I. That's not like, that's a concept that is hard to put into play. So it's, I believe in it. And so I continue to work at it, but that doesn't mean that I've mastered it. Oh my gosh. So far. One of the things you say to me a lot is, Misty, we're just going to keep circling the same shit, but we're going to get it at a little higher level. So always. Rebecca, yeah. you have been instrumental in my life. And like I said at the beginning of this conversation, you are an amazing marketer in your own right. And I wish you the best of success with your coaching business. Thanks, Misty. I appreciate it. One other thing I wanted to ask before I let you go. Question for another. I know you are always learning about marketing and growing your business. What can I ask somebody else on your behalf? You know, if if my focus in terms of marketing is about creating mini transformations and all of the content that I do, like if that's the focus that I'm always trying to give them, like I would be really curious how other people approach that or use language to talk about to talk about the kind of transformation they are able to create through their just through their material, right? Before it's like the step before they even start working with you because I think I can do that so much better, you know, and I'm continuing I've only scratched the surface of how to do that. So I'd love to hear more about how people create mini transformations. That's an amazing insight. I'm actually going to use it in my next client meeting. Oh, really? So love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rebecca. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon All right. on our next meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Well, everyone, as we finish out Rebecca's interview, I can't help but reflect on what she said about transformation and how that's our job to provide a level of transformation to our clients in every interaction, perhaps even before they buy our services. That's going to stick with me for a long time. And I will most certainly pass that question on to another for Rebecca as well. I hope you'll reflect on it as much as I am. 
I want you to know that it was a risk for me to invite my coach on this show. After all, I'm asking you to tune in and listen to information about marketing, but I hope that her ideas were applicable to your world. And if they were, shoot me a review or ping me personally on LinkedIn by searching Misty Dykema. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Don't forget to download all episodes of Marketing Sweat Season 2 at marketingsweats.com or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Apple Play, or Spotify. Talk soon, marketers. Check back for more real-life accounts from hardworking pros. 